Hello and welcome to the WRT Sports Podcast for Sportswomen, bringing you insight and analysis on major events unfolding and shining a spotlight on champions of women's sport on and off the field of play. I'm Elaine Buckley and for this episode I'm joined by Deirdre Duke, fresh from securing a ticket to Tokyo for the 2020 Olympic Games with the Irish hockey squad. Deirdre, you're very welcome to the W. Thanks for having me. Almost two weeks on, has your heart rate returned to normal after that shootout yet? Well, to be honest, even when you just say qualification for the Olympics, there it gives me a little bit of uh, a little bit of butterflies. Um, yeah, I mean, what what an incredible occasion, and to finally get over the line. I think, uh, I suppose, a lot of people I've met are obviously congratulating us, and you know, amazing. But I think it's just something that we've been talking about for so long, and we finally achieved it. It's it's kind of a strange sense of like relief, obviously celebration, but but mostly relief. I think. I suppose the outcome it being as dramatic as it was, did it take time to sink in? Has it sunk in or is it going to take even longer? Yeah, I think in the last week, it's kind of start to, started to sink in, you know, when you kind of get back to, to a little bit of routine. The, um, yeah, the enormity of the occasion um, and and everything, it, it's like some, I still drive past Donnybrook and I kind of look in and think, was there actually a pitch in there? Do you know, is it just something that, that it, it almost happened and you didn't get time to take stock of it all? The shootout itself, oh, yeah. so full-time whistle and you know that this is going to be decided by shootout. Like the end of the game was quite frenetic in itself in that there was two penalty corners to defend to to keep it at nil all, to take mm. it to shootout. So the full-time whistle on, on that Sunday night, was was there a bit of relief that it was right, we have the opportunity at shootout now? Yeah, I suppose. I, I think we kind of... We, we certainly didn't plan on going to a shootout. That that wasn't something... We had practiced shootouts and we'd, the girls had talked about it, but it certainly wasn't something that, that we had really kind of... We were, certainly weren't playing for a shootout. Um, and kind of when, when it came around, it was almost a sense of, right, the two games are over now. It's kind of almost, in a way, out of our hands because when you, when you let it go down to a shootout like that... It can be a little bit of a lottery. Obviously, we have the girls that are well able to, to put the ball away and then obviously Aisha. But but at the same time, sometimes you don't know how they're going to go um, and you kind of don't know what they have in their locker in terms of, you know, specialists or whatever. So, yeah, it was it was a huge sense of relief and you kind of just felt all the all the kind of pressure just, just lift, you know, and I suppose you almost become numb to that kind of pressure because... It's been building for months now and when we heard it was Energy Park and it's just been kind of building and building and building. And I suppose once we finally got there, it was it was kind of I was incredibly emotional. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop crying because, again, it's just been such a long time coming and you kind of finally get there and you don't know really what to feel. What's it like watching the shootout unfold? Obviously, full time as it goes, you got three, four minutes to kind of get your your penalty takers together mm. and reset, do whatever preparation. But what, what's it like watching it from your position? It, it's difficult because you can't you you no longer have a part to play in terms of you know obviously taking one or or, or whatever. Um, all you can do is you know stand close to your teammates and and everyone kind of does their own thing when it comes to the shootouts. There, some girls would you know be very calm. Um, some girls can't watch them at all. Um, Katie Mullen just prays for the whole, the whole, the whole shootout. Um, and some of us just kind of chit chat. We kind of, oh, we're one nil up, we're not, we're one down, you know. And it's kind of just whatever way that you can cope by watching something unfold like that. That that's so important. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a strange feeling. Um, not being involved anymore. But I mean, when you see the girls that we had up there. You, you, I had full confidence. I, I, at no point did I think we were actually going to lose that shootout, even at three-one down. 
some of the most spectacular conversions mm. I have to say that I've ever seen starting with Nikki Daly's like ones that you thought were gone just somehow found a way through yeah yeah no daily dailies was spectacular and um the girls that were potentially taking the shootouts had done a little bit of work that morning um and I, I think daily kind of went to the goalkeeping coach uh, Nige and said look if we go to shootout I'm thinking of doing this kind of flip it up to the right and, and hit it on the volley like the goal she had scored in against South Africa I think it was at the last qualifiers um so Nidge said, yeah, definitely the way the keeper goes down, it's definitely, definitely a runner, but maybe take it a little bit wider, take it a little bit more to the right. Um, and uh, subsequently, Daly nearly took it to the to, to the tee point. Um, so uh, after the game, they had a right laugh. You know, Nidge was like, I didn't quite mean that wide. But no, amazing, amazing composure to be able to, you know, take it that wide and still have the the kind of presence of mind to strike the ball back into the net. And uh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, and Roisin with the broken wrist. I think that is uh, one of the best sports stories of the year. Like, yeah, she's uh, she's an unbelievable, an unbelievable player, and um, and that's just a testament to her kind of character. Um, I think she said she felt she couldn't really grip her stick that well um, at one point in the game, and then to be able to go in and, and take two shootouts and have the the confidence and the I suppose again presence of mind to just know exactly what she was doing and and be able to execute was um yeah phenomenal what about the experience of the weekend as a whole Deirdre like I, you know the the scale of the matches was one thing the format was new to everyone it's kind of designed with spectators and viewers in mind almost but it really is high stakes hockey and obviously you had big crowd experience at the world cup last summer but to have it on on home turf like you know you've been playing with the senior team since 2013 certainly the biggest crowd you, you've played in front of mm. at home how how did that feel? Yeah, it was definitely something that we had we hadn't experienced before. I've never really played um first of all a game of that that magnitude. I know obviously the World Cup was was one thing, but again, we were kind of riding a wave. It was, you know, we were never really under pressure. Um and I was actually just talking to to Lena today about it on the phone. Um the pressure that we felt you kind of didn't acknowledge it in in the build up because if you did, it might just consume you. You know, the thought of like 6,000 people in Energy Park, pretty much every single one of them there f- to watch us. You know, it, it almost it's almost hard to comprehend because we've never really garnered that support before, like prior to the World Cup. And particularly being at home in your own, like I just lived down the road, you know, and we were staying in the Sunny Mount Hotel and we were getting a Garda escort to the pitch. It was all it was all incredibly surreal, to be honest. And the aftermath of it. It took a small army to put in the pitch and a whole a huge volunteer effort to then take it back up as well on Monday and Tuesday. And I hear you were down there yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean, it takes a village to, to get an event like that up and running. And the support that we got from people um, in the build up, you know, going in on the bank holiday, I think it was putting down the pitch was, um, you know, when you saw photos of like people's first of all, people's family and friends, but then again, just kind of hockey, people from the hockey community that had no direct connection to, to the team. Do you know, it's it's incredibly humbling or something to think that people would give up their time to make this happen for us. We went down to the the pitch, a few of us, um, kind of just to say thanks to the to the volunteers and, and kind of, um, yeah, just, just, I suppose, show our appreciation. Um, and I suppose when I saw the, the the magnitude of the job at hand and yeah, I just went back down for a couple of hours and, and um, 
lending a hand I was probably more in the way than anything else but you know to see people how much effort people went to get that event up and running and 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 the the enormous kind of sense of teamwork that was going on down there it was maybe I was just hyper emotional from the the whole weekend but um yeah, I mean, we, we can't thank everyone enough for, for what they've done for us. Is it true that Sean Dancer had you in for a team meeting at 10 o'clock the following morning? He did, yeah. Um, yeah, every meeting every meeting with Sean goes ahead, uh, hail, hail rain or, or, or snow. So um, I suppose the night before, um, we always knew we had a, a team meeting. I think it was, I think there was meant to be a staff meeting at half eight the next morning. And that was subsequently cancelled at about half three in Coppers on the Sunday night um, but the the full squad meeting still went ahead at, at 10 o'clock and um, I suppose it was just a nice way to kind of you know he's an incredibly professional um, professional coach and he's kind of taken us to a whole new level in terms of our professionalism and um, so we sat down in a room he congratulated us on 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 qualification and um, he laid out the plan for the for the next uh, the next 12 months so um, yeah there was a few there was a few sore heads but um Again, it was it's it's all in the plan. So he seems like quite a, I suppose, a grounding presence. And I think probably, you know, him being from Australia, which is such a hockey nation and Mm. so like synonymous with the Olympics. Does he bring that kind of element of right now you've qualified, but there's a lot of hard work to be done and it's day zero again? Yeah, well, since since Sean has come in um, at the end of June, he's always spoken about um, climbing Everest. That's something that we talk about a lot. And our Everest was, we always thought, was qualifying for Olympics. Um, But in Sean's eyes, that's only half the battle. We're only halfway up. um, Because being able to, to climb Everest and come back down, that's going to the Olympics potentially meddling at the Olympics and coming home. Um, so from day one, he's spoken about about going to the Olympics and meddling. So um, whether it's for us in, in the past, maybe our mindset was just a, about getting there. Um, and I think that's that's totally changed. And I think, I think the way, since we've qualified the way I've been thinking about, uh, you know, qualification and everything. It's not even remotely job half done. It's not that we're there. Great. We're just going to have a party now. It's very much, okay. we've qualified for where we want to go. And now how are we going to get ourselves in a position to to challenge for a medal? Um, So he's definitely changed the the mindset of the group. Um, And I suppose a lot of people have said, you know, you were so confident and 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 you know going into the the qualification, but it was just it was just another little hurdle that we had to we had to get over in order to to kind of compete for medals. So he's definitely changed the thinking, and it's um yeah it's 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 really cool. With Graham leaving and then with him coming in and kind of I suppose taking a back seat for the first leg of the qualifiers in Bambridge, was that the attitude from day one, or like how difficult was that period of transition to to get the result that was needed back in June to put you in the position for the November qualifiers? Yeah, well, I suppose Gareth Grundy, our assistant coach, um, took over um, after after Graham after Graham had left and did did a brilliant job, and he led us through the entire camp in Banbridge. So, although Sean, I think, arrived late May, um, he was very much just in the background for the entire Banbridge um, and World or the World Series uh, event. Um, and again, I think it's just a reflection on his professionalism because I think he he understood that you know a new coach coming in, um, you know four or five weeks out from a tournament is is incredibly disruptive whether it's Gareth had actually been there Gareth was with us in the World Cup last year we know Gareth very well um, and we also know his style of coaching and he had kind of guided the group through that kind of transition period so um, it wasn't really until we met up on 
I think it was the 3rd of July that that Sean's kind of um, tenure, I suppose, you know, began. Um, And yeah, from the very beginning, it was all about, it was always about how are we going to medal at the Olympics, never about how we were going to get there. When when you think back to um, previous qualification campaigns, it is just a total, total change mm. in mindset whereby, you know, qualification was the ultimate aim and, and being there would be something very special. But now, given what you did last summer, it is actually feasible that Ireland could have a team medal at the Olympics. Yeah, it's it's incredibly exciting and it's... Um I suppose, you know, it's it's kind of in our nature as well. We're we're never satisfied. And I think the World Cup we've spoken a lot about about this with particularly uh, Katie Mullen, a good friend of mine on the team. And um, you know, since the World Cup when we got that kind of taste of what what it feels like to be successful because prior to that we had never really I think there was a couple of bronze medals at a champions challenge, you know, um a silver medal at a champions challenge. But again, they were all kind of tournaments that were in the middle of cycles where, where other nations maybe didn't have their strongest teammate. Um, so I suppose kind of seeing what it was like to be successful and, 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 and play on the world stage the way we did at the World Cup just made us even hungrier. And um, obviously there was a difficult transition peri- period with the new coach and everything, but I think that's, that's very much we want to we wanna maintain our, 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 our ranking and, and push on into the top top six the top five you know over the next the next couple of months it's been a real I suppose for you personally it's been a real four year long journey like it mm-hmm. in that Ireland not qualifying for Rio in a way really opened up an opportunity in the national team for you yeah totally um I think I was brought into the squad uh, under Jean Muller actually back in 2011 myself Jill and Gillian Pinder as in the CPP um we trained for eight, nine months, uh, didn't get capped. Um, I then went to America to play uh, and came back um, under Darren Smith. And again, I got my first cap in 2013, um, trained and played, all, you know, all in the build up to the to, to those uh, qualifiers in Valencia. And yeah, didn't didn't make the squad. I think looking back on it, um, I was never in a position to make the squad. I think at the time I thought I was... I was pushing other players, but, you know, and I, I just wasn't when I kind of reflect on it. But yeah, when we didn't qualify for the Olympics in Rio, obviously, naturally, at the end of a lot of cycles, a lot of players kind of take take a, um, take a time or they maybe retire. Um, so it was actually my first tournament I ever got picked for was was three weeks after those Olympic qualifiers. It was the B Division Europeans in, in Prague. And I, I laugh about it a lot because it was the first competition that I was ever picked for. But there was at least seven players that said they either didn't want to play, they were retiring, or they just weren't coming. Okay, and uh, so you know, I suppose it's just it's I suppose it just shows like the difference you know that people can be in their career. And essentially, that was the beginning of my kind of my hockey career. You know, uh, being a, a real part of you know. Um, the, the tournament squad so um yeah that was definitely a starting point for me and and then again for a lot of players like in the next you know 12 months the likes of Elena, Tice, Zoe Wilson got their first cap so it was it was kind of a bit of a rebirth yeah. That particular tournament the European B Championships I remember thinking at the time watching it this is really heartbreakingly close to mm. what the team had just gone through mm. in in Valencia in, in 2015 but like I think it's also very symbolic of your squad as well to be able to pick up and, and get that result which was ultimately a result that did prove crucial to even qualifying for the World Cup so although you know some people just didn't want to be there mm. 
you went out and won it and earned the promotion back to the European A grade. Like it just goes to show you like new players coming in, such an opportunity to just really stake a claim on, on a place in that squad and drive it forward. Like Yeah, absolutely. And I think Graham was instrumental in that as well. Obviously he was taking over the reins from Darren. Um and and he knew and he had the foresight that it was so crucial for us to get out of this B division Europeans to be able to to play in A in the two in the next two years to to put us in a position to qualify for a World Cup and Olympic Games and yeah it, I mean it was an incredibly emotional tournament uh, for everybody um, even though I was there you know getting my first kind of tournament start um, I had sat at home two weeks previous and watched the girls um, miss out on qualification and had been a part of that squad for almost three years so it was definitely a tough time do you know when we look back on it um, I remember a couple of, of tough meetings up in the, the hockey offices where do you know people kind of spoke openly about how they felt about the qualifiers and about having to go to the B, the B division Europeans but again sometimes you know you, you learn from those kind of experiences and, and as a squad I think it definitely in the years that followed it definitely kind of brought us closer and, and, and made made us um, yeah a lot stronger. While the rest of the world were getting ready for the Olympics they needed teams to play and that invitational tournament in New Zealand in 2016 kind of gave you a big opportunity to, to show what you can do against top-notch opposition. Yeah absolutely and I think that was definitely I think when we look back that was probably um, the first time that we kind of started to to really believe in what we were what we were doing, um, it was a, a totally new squad from the 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 team that had played in the qualifiers kind of um, six seven months earlier. Um, you know we had new new young players like Lena Lena Tyson Zoe Wilson come into the squad, bring a whole new energy. Um, yeah, and we competed we competed with the best teams in the world. And I think we we only we lost to New Zealand one nil. We lost to Australia one nil. Whether's you know, I think two years previously we had actually lost New Zealand nine two in UCD in in a, in a pretty tough day at the office. So, and then we ended up uh, beating Korea um, or going I think three or four nil down to Korea and bringing it back to four all and beating them in a shootout to come fifth in the tournament. Um, uh, so I think that's the first time that we really started to to kind of believe that we were definitely capable of more than than we had what we had done in the the years previous and. Yeah, it was a huge opportunity for us and it was, yeah, the kind of the beginning of, I suppose, what's culminated in the last couple of weeks. And also what happened in 2018, I mean, qualifying for yeah. the qualifying for the World Cup in itself. I think a lot of people wouldn't be aware of how close Ireland were to not qualifying for that World Cup. Those kind of clutch moments, like that was a huge result for, for the team in terms of what, what you've gone on to do since? Yeah, it was it was huge. We we played a game against South Africa that we knew if we beat them we would qualify automatically. And we ended up losing three nil and it was it was really it was really tough to take because 'cause we'd been over there for a couple of weeks. We had we had drawn with Germany. We 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 lost narrowly to both Argentina and England and we've been making progress but we kinda hadn't really broken that that glass ceiling in terms of beating a, a higher ranked team. And then yeah, going two nil down to, to India um, knowing that we needed to at least finish seventh to kind of give ourselves even a, a chance of qualifying for the World Cup. Our our keeper got sent off, Aisha got sent off and, and Grace had to come in and and uh, she saved a stroke to save us going 3-0 down. So that's again a testament to kind of, that was her first touch of the tournament, saving a stroke and essentially sending us to a World Cup. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose we were, we were, we were quite fortunate because the, the World Cup's 
previously had actually been 12 team uh, tournaments whether it's this this World Cup was the first 16 team tournament um, and I think we're a great um, example of why it should you sh- it should be opened up to, to more teams because um, if, if it had been kind of the previous format we wouldn't even have qualified Um but yeah, again, like getting getting to the World Cup was 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 a huge um, milestone in in a lot of our careers. It was the first um, big tournament that that we had, we had all played in, and that goes from from myself, who'd been in the squad kind of four years, to Shirley McKay, who's been there ten years. It was the first kind of huge ranking tournament in terms of Olympics or World Cup that that the squad had played in, and um, yeah, we we did pretty well. You made your mark on the World Cup four minutes in that first goal that went in against USA in the pool opener. Did it set the tone for the whole tournament? It was like, well, here's a team that's ranked higher above us, but that we have done our homework on and we know we need to get a win from this. What was that game plan going into that World Cup? Yeah, I think I think we always we always believed that we could um compete in our pool and USA was definitely a game that we had targeted. We knew that if we could match them physically, we would be able to outplay them. We were better better players. But I remember standing in the tunnel before we went out and you know, it was the first time we'd kind of seen the stadium with with people in it. Obviously, we'd trained in it a couple of times and there was just such a sense of calm. You know, it was like, look, we're here. You know, we, we've we've made it here, so let's just go enjoy it because you know it's going to be over before we know it. And I think that kind of sense of of calm and just being so present and enjoying the moment on on that night kind of let us play with that kind of freedom. And like I've watched that game a couple of times, um, and I think the way we played throughout the entire game was just we were just in that kind of flow state and you know nothing was going to stop us. And obviously, getting getting a good start in the first couple of minutes certainly helped. Um, but again, it was just it was just being, I think, being present in the moment and trying to enjoy the whole occasion and, and, and play without any kind of fear or baggage or anything. Yeah. Well, that you, you certainly did. And um, I don't know if you saw, but your celebration from from the first goal in the USA is actually now part of the FIH's opening <laughs> credits for, for, yeah. for hockey coverage. So, yeah, so that's that's going down in the Chronicles. Anyway. I know, I know. I get a good slagging about that one, now, to be honest. But uh, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> Sure, look, you score a goal in your first World Cup. Have, to, have to celebrate it. I looked more shocked than anything else, but yeah, I need to work on the all celebrations. The World Cup as a whole, Deirdre, like it's it really was just one of the most special Irish sporting moments ever. I know all eyes are on the Olympics, but like, do you personally like just ever just take stock and just think back on it and just about how special it was? It's kind of difficult because the World Cup was always a stepping stone to the Olympics. It's always been about the Olympics. Um, since I've come into the squad in 2011 when we were trying to qualify for London to Rio, um, to Tokyo. And I think until, you know, we we compete at the Olympics, I, said, I always used to say, until we qualify for the Olympics, I won't be able to take stock. But now that we've qualified, I think it's until we go and, and, and put, you know, put our best foot forward in the Olympics and, you know, potentially come home with a medal. I don't think until then will I really kind of be able to kind of look back and, and really enjoy the World Cup. Do you know, I think about 10 days after it, I, I took off and, and moved my life over to Germany. And then since then I was home 10 days and suddenly we're in Bambridge and, you know, things just keep moving forward. Uh, and I think, if you kind of sit back and, and, and enjoy your kind of victories a little bit too much, you get you get complacent. And, and the minute that happens, you know, I think you're done as a I think we're we're very aware of that as a squad. We know we're, we're certainly not invincible. Um, and what we did at the World Cup has just given us the belief that that we're capable of, of, of kind of competing on the world stage. And that, you know, like a, a medal in Tokyo is, is not beyond 
all realms of uh, you know possibility. But no, I don't think I've totally, I've totally um, like my World Cup medal is 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 kind of in a drawer. It's not um, it's not up and it's not uh, it's not it's not on show. And you know maybe after after Tokyo, I can kind of start to enjoy that a little bit more. That's incredible. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it really is. It's I suppose it's testament to to the team that it was right. Yeah, again, we'll we'll enjoy this and we'll celebrate it. But you were there. You're in the World Cup final because you deserve to be in the World Cup final and because you'd worked so hard for it. And for that to now carry on to into into this stage of an Olympic cycle and switching that from if we qualify to now that we're qualified, sky's the limit. It's it's very mm-hmm. exciting times ahead. Mm-hmm. Tell me a bit about Germany, actually. You mentioned you mentioned Germany over there, having spent a season over there playing club hockey. Club hockey here in Ireland obviously went through a bit of a change a couple of years ago with the introduction of a national league for the first time. It's taken a couple of seasons for it to get up and running to the standard it needs to be at or needs to be near. But what was it like playing over in the Bundesliga in Germany with with Dusseldorf? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a great experience. Um I kind of it was a bit of a whirlwind. I thought maybe I'd have a bit more time after the World Cup before I went over, but I suppose we we kept progressing, um, and our World Cup didn't finish until the last day, which um, we didn't quite we didn't quite anticipate. So um, yeah, I mean, going over and playing playing in another country, I mean, it has its challenges. It's it's not all kind of plain sailing, and um, I suppose uh, Nikki Evans had had already played a season over there. Obviously, Anna was over playing in in Holland, and um, so I had spoken to those girls like in in the twelve months before um, about their experience, and you know, did they feel like it had benefited them, and you know, did they enjoy it? Because I suppose you always have that kind of um, that kind of mindset of the grass is always greener over there, you know. Um, but if I'm honest, it was it was it was a challenge. It was kind of moving country, um, starting into a new team where I didn't I didn't. I speak a little bit of German, but not enough to kind of have the crack, you know. Um, and uh, I was living on my own. Um, yeah, it was it was challenging, but I think it certainly made me grow uh, as a person and as a player. And that's kind of I had said before I went over that I I, I wanted a new challenge. Um, I had played a number of years, probably two years too many, with with UCD, and we had been incredibly successful. We won, we won the treble. We won a couple of Irish Senior Cups and. Um, I think I just needed to be taken out of my comfort zone um, and moving abroad and, and playing in a new team was was my idea of, of, of how to do that. Um, in terms of the, the hockey team, there was there was five national girls on my team. So it was great to get an insight. I actually um, did I did my SNC with with the national squad two mornings a week. So it was really interesting to see what what they do and what they train like. Um, and. I suppose the the environment was was really competitive. the 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 standard over there is 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 higher than here. Um, so every week of training, I had to battle to try and get in get into the team for the following week. And I think that was that was what I really was looking for. I really wanted that push on and to be really put under pressure. And um, because that's what it's like in the national squad. And it's sometimes it can be hard to replicate when I captained GCD for a couple of years. And you know, you 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 naturally just become a little bit maybe complacent about your your place on the team within within a club team and um, whether it's when you go to the national setup there's there's a lot more pressure and obviously the competition is huge within our squad yeah being put under pressure you know week in week out to try and to try and make the Dusseldorf team was was um 
it was great. I mean, it was it was exactly what I wanted. And yeah, I'm really glad I, I went and, and spent the year over there. And I think I got a lot out of it. But I was I was definitely happy when I heard Park Developments were coming on board to, to let us train as a full squad at home because I didn't want to be in Germany. I wanted to be, you know, at home. You know, the, the involvement of Park Developments and, and the player bursary scheme and that. The setup that you've been training in is, is classed as, as semi-pro. Mm which has enabled you to train full-time three days a week together. Is, is that going to be the plan now continuing on? Yeah, so um, we're, we're together Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, um, and then we train regionally Thursday, Friday. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it feels very full-time, <laughs> even though it's called part-time. Um, is there gym on top of that? Yeah, 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 gym on top of that. And um, we've kind of really kind of, Sean is uh, really honed in on kind of GPS and, and, and running loads and stuff. Um, and it's really taken us to a new level. So we, we would do like a lot of top up running as well if you don't hit your targets for the week. So yeah, it's 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 certainly a busy schedule. But when you look at the rest of the, the, the top 10 teams in the world, they're all in these professional or semi-professional setups. And you know, um, in order to be able to catch them and kind of maintain our place, you know, in, in, in the world rankings, like it's it's imperative that we kind of go to that that level as well. And back playing club hockey here in the National League, you're back with your old school, old Alex? Yeah, I'm back back with old Alex. So um, I went down to my first session there last night after two weeks off hockey. So I've seen a few stars now, to be honest. But um, yeah, I, I'm delighted to be back kind of playing club hockey um, here in Ireland. It's... Um, I never played for Old Alex Club, but obviously I went to school there, and um, yeah, it has a bit of a. I kind of pretended that I was I was considering other clubs, but when it really came down to it, I think I was only ever going to go to Alex. Um, so, yeah, it should be it should be good fun. I suppose looking ahead to the next few months, so training semi pro, you've also just started recently started a new job as well. Mm. Busy schedule. Yeah, very busy. Um, we uh, we just got our, our 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 schedule from Sean there um, the other the other evening. So it's yeah, it's it's incredibly busy. Um, but we're kind of on a little bit of downtime now between uh, now and Christmas. Um, we're starting kind of a running block and a gym block uh, at the end of next week, and then we're going to be doing a lot of uh, heat chamber training. What is heat chamber training? Uh, so your guess is as good as mine. I'm pretty sure is um, running in a heat chamber. Uh, on the watt bike in a heat chamber I'm not I'm not really sure but it's I suppose it's the Tokyo is going to be the hottest Olympics ever so it's to try and um yeah get conditioned for that kind of that kind of heat and that kind of humidity um so God knows what they're gonna have us doing in the heat chambers but um yeah we've a we've a good few sessions between now and Christmas um and then post Christmas we get back together I think on the third and we're back to our Sunday Monday Tuesday and then regionally Thursday Friday yeah, and then there's a lot of a lot of games in the build up to to next summer, but it's still all kind of being finalised. Competition for places is going to be through the roof as well, isn't it? it? It takes a massive squad in order to qualify for a tournament, but likewise, when it comes to selecting a squad, it's it's just going to increase the standard of Irish hockey again. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean the the competition in the squad um, in the last kind of ten twelve months, I think is is higher than than it's ever been in, in my experience. Um, and you know we we train with a squad of twenty four, and you know it's 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 really small margins that that people get picked over 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 the other and you know everyone is 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 back in on the same on back on a level playing field now when we when we meet back up on the 3rd of January and um you know you just have to kind of put your best foot forward and again I suppose it's it's 
Sean's kind of professionalism. He, um, he picks on form. He doesn't he doesn't care how many caps you have or or who you are or who you were. And I think it's in a way it's it's incredibly exciting because the more competitive the, the squad is, the more we push each other to to be better players. And it's, at the end of the day, that's the whole idea that we want to become the best players that we can. And and competition kind of fuels that. Although it's it's definitely scary, you know, at the thought that um you know a reduced squad goes to Tokyo, but you know it's it's everyone is an incredibly important part of of the squad and the full 24 are a part of that and yeah it's a really exciting really exciting couple of months ahead 2020 is going to be a huge year any olympic year is but it's also i think it's safe to say there's a bit of a movement going on in women's sport at the moment as an athlete in the thick of it is it palpable can you feel a, a sea change occurring in that regard yeah i my honest answer is yeah definitely um I feel like the the biggest thing that that I've noticed in the last kind of year two years is is the media coverage of of the sports and I suppose it's strange because I've always we've always kind of looked from the outside in terms of hockey was never one of those sports that that were that were shown it was always the rugby team or the soccer team um or the athletics or whatever it was and I suppose being part of that and being part of that shift is 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 really important to us. And you know, we don't take the the, the tag of kind of role model lightly. You know, we really want to push on and keep pushing women's sport because it's like as you've seen, there's a huge huge interest in it from the the soccer World Cup. You know, over the summer to the you know to our to our hockey games. You know, so um, yeah, I can I can definitely feel it. But I think there there's definitely a huge way to go. I think there's still sort of a um. The conversation is still a little bit like, oh, sure, look, fair play to them. They're great girls out there playing. Whether I think in order to be able to go to the next level in terms of, you know, coverage of women's sport, it has to almost become critical. It has to, you know, the Irish hockey team performed not as well as they would have liked to, you know, and and to really kind of critique women's sport like they do men's sport, because until it gets to that point, I don't think it's we're really going to be you know, on a, an even keel with, with the men's sports. Do you know, the narrative is a, li- is a little bit different and I think maybe that's that's a little bit too far in the in the future. But I think in order to, to kind of really bring on women's sport, it needs to be looked at with a critical eye as well and not just be like, oh, sure, fair play to them. They're, they're a right bunch. You're by no means the first person I've heard say that and I suppose it is a case of quality of coverage as well as quantity of it. And mm. I suppose from my point of view, working in media, the more players of the generation who believe that so say who who retire and become pundits and Mm. are kind of feeding back into supporting the games that way that is going to become more of a factor but also the simple fact of having games on tv having games on radio Mm. to give people a platform to discuss and dissect and praise when it's good and you know critique when it's Mm. when it's a bit subpar that will naturally change as well but it's i think i find that really refreshing that that athletes want that Mm. because I suppose you're a big sports fan you would have grown up watching sport watching people sitting in studios talking about sports so if that's what being treated equally looks like then yeah I think I think that's that's the next phase is but again it's 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 down to it has to be seen to be critiqued do you know so we need to get the first bit right first before maybe we can kind of move on into the the real kind of um, analysis there is kind of a nice sense of unity as well amongst different sports and I know even just from going to sports events myself you know recently I've seen you at a Dublin club championship final mm-hmm. to an, an Ireland women's soccer qualifier your your roots in those sports are still alive and well yeah absolutely um and 
but I, I again I don't go just because you know uh, go on the girls it's it's because it's it's a good spectacle I mean the Dublin football championship final between Crokes and, and Fox Cab was an incredible incredible game in, in absolutely horrendous conditions and you know they're women's sport is is good to watch and it has its own is it has its own unique um selling points i think i don't think you can compare the the you know men's football directly to to women's football i think you know they're played differently i think the the dublin ladies team probably has played a much more exciting brand of football in the last number of years than than maybe the men's side have and i think yeah it's important to to kind of support it because it, it, it is a good spectacle and, and it's well worth it's well worth going and, and watching. Well plenty of huge sporting events to come in twenty twenty mm. and Deirdre we wish you all the best with the heat chamber training oh which God. sounds horrendous. <laughs> we, we might have to get you back on to report on <laughs> I'll that. let you know if I survive. Congratulations again on booking that ticket for Tokyo in a, a manner which I don't think any of us will ever recover from. And thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Spread the good word of the W by sharing this episode on social media and don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get our next episode immediately on release. 